This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to RHAP's coverage of Survivor UK, and this is week two. I'm your host, Shannon Gus, here to keep talking about the season. Somehow, we are a quarter of the way through and getting somewhere, you know, maybe maybe seeing a bit more strategy. Who knows? And some things that I know will probably anger this man. It is my co-host, a star of Australian Survivor, a global name in Survivor. We're so lucky to have him here every week. It is a great King George Mladenov. George, thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Shannon, and um, big, big hello to you from uh, Bankstown, um, Shannon, and to everybody that's listening. But you just called me angry in your first sentence opening up this podcast, and um, that was a choice. Are you not going to be angry? No, I don't think I'm angry, but we'll see um, We'll see if you can uh, roll me up as the podcast progresses and we discuss episodes three and four. I didn't feel I needed to roll you up. I thought Lee's 
you know, mentality on the, the best way to vote people out, strength-based oh. arguments, gender-based arguments. I thought that might have done the work for me. Shannon, you are pulling out the punches and we've barely even done an <laughs> introduction. Did it. So boxing punch. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I am angry. That was what, very what am, fair. What am I gonna look? If let's just start the podcast talking about that. So um Am I surprised it happened? No, but in some ways I'm thankful because it's generated so much attention for Survivor in the UK. Um, Lee is the gift that keeps on giving. And, um, you know, in, in some ways, um, I, I, like, is it, is it lowest common denominator stuff? Of course it is. Um, but I, you tell yourself, um, at least Lee, unlike some of the uh, members of the Calaton tribe, is delivering to his stereotype and meeting his casting brief. So congratulations to Lee. Okay, well, there we have it. We have borderline misogyny better than boring for George. And, like, honestly, <laughs> I mean, that's not not surprising not from a misogyny standpoint, but you hate a boring person. I get that. And we'll talk it through with Lee because, look, there's probably a lot to condemn. And, I just, you know, there's some interesting strategy there around someone who should have been on the outs and like seemed to lead a vote due to pure like brute force, which we can talk through. I did an exit interview with, with Rach, which should be out soon. That's with the BBC right now, um, where she gave some of the light on that because I think there's been a lot of questions around like why Lee, who was just left out of the vote, is now like the, you know, leader of the tribe and seems to have like there's no, not even like an option against him. So we'll get into all of that. But George, Let's get into some broader feelings. You know, second week in, episodes three and four, we've got the outpost. We've got a version of the outpost, something a little new, not collaborative. They went separately, but, you know, something something there. We got an Australian survivor type twist that you would be all too familiar with those words. And that's going to be a little bit different. They showed that even in the preview, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I miss when things were the same. But where are your feelings two further episodes into the season? I think the momentum is very positive. And if I'm allowed to give uh, three cheesy points to um, Remarkable, a subdivision of Banerjee, Endemol Shine, um, I would. Not. So, um, no, I won't. But lucky I clarified that at the start of the podcast because um, <laughs> I, I feel like there um, has been a noticeable shift in terms of um, just the, the, the pace of the game um, compared to the first week. Um, we all know that the first week was slow. It was a very soft introduction, um, probably softer than it should have been. Um, and that's a very polite way of not calling, you know, some aspects of the first week boring. Um, <laughs> but when, when, when I look at episode three, um, I thought it was the better of the two episodes. Um, a few reasons for that. The outpost was interesting because it made people make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and it generated drama. It generated some politics, particularly on the Lanena tribe. And then, you know, if we're going to talk about the outpost, um, you know, look at the two different approaches that we had at the outpost. So, mm-hmm. Ren, who has almost alluded to the fact um, that she's a super fan without saying the words, is she playing like uh, this novel groundbreaking survivor game no not yet um but there was so much kind of like thought process going into the the merits of which option to take and why and coming up with the cover story and revealing her decision to duck and then you know the benefit of that is christopher who's obviously done a lot of preparation walks up to the other tribe at the challenge the ideal opportunity to do so and then starts collecting facts and information the only currency that matters in the game um, fantastic episode from Lenena 
um, in episode three. And then what did we get from Lawrence at the outpost? We got what you'd expect from someone that thinks they're on a holiday and not playing the game of Survivor because they've never heard of it before. Oh, it's a big fish. I'm going to go get the food. And that correlates with all the kind of confessionals you get from each and every tribe member that's getting confessionals on that tribe, probably except Shy, who just talks about how he was disliked by the people on their Dominican vacation. Um, you, that is the kind of like, it, it, it is, there's literally just, it, it, it's there by default, but I, I can't imagine a single producer would ever think that someone would go for a big fish. Like, why would you? Well, I completely you? disagree. Is, you never take it under any circumstances. It's just ridiculous. You're making a TV show. It's the first season. Okay. <laughs> Your TV show. They better win pounds, no, you George. Are, you, yeah, win pounds. Take the potato and say, I came back with a potato and I lost something, you know? Take the small fish. No one knows how big the fish is unless you have someone like Chris. They do know. That's not how that went. Yeah, but it's, it's not that. It, it's just like my concern, and I'll start my first rant on Calaton. This is a tribe on vacation, and I'm sick of it. Do you know okay. what made episode? Do you know what made episode three so good, Shannon? We got about four minutes of airtime on Calaton, and I loved <laughs> it. It really lifted the week, and that's why the ratings are up. And if that's a late shift in post production, well done. If you're ranting about Calaton, it shouldn't be against Lawrence. Lawrence is the most entertaining person we have on this season. He's incredible television, taking the fish aside, which honestly gave some interesting television. He ends up telling Tanuke more of the truth. Like, let's let's get in disagreeing from the beginning. This is the kind of content you can expect from our recaps, apparently, is us disagreeing, which is fine. Uh, taking the fish is a legitimate strategic option. Doing the most seemingly simplistic thing is a choice in and of itself. It's, it's, it may seem like a non-choice or a passive choice, but still making an active decision. And I love the way that Lawrence played this because he has to play at his speed, which maybe that's what you criticize that this is the speed, but possibly, you know, putting that kind of paranoia out there, making himself look suspicious when he seems to be highly social. You know, Tanuke puts him out there to even go to the outpost. Everyone agrees. If he's in good with everyone, why disrupt the status quo? And clearly that would go against even the culture of the tribe. Look at someone like Shy. It does seem more social, but that's against the culture of the tribe. Lawrence is going with the flow and the culture of a tribe that embraces him. I thought he did excellently well with that. Um, even, you know, coming back with, with the lie, uh, you know, it, it might seem a little bit silly to lie about whether it was an idol or a clue, but, you know, because it could be verified by Ren on the other side. But without them being together and knowing the kind of paranoia a first idol could put into Calaton who are not fans specifically, I think he played it. It might seem passive, but it's an active choice to go with that flow. Compared to Ren, who I love, Ren is the Nick. Nick went on a similar journey, came back with a poem. I was scared that that would doom Ren, and I honestly still am to a degree. And I'm definitely like rooting for Ren in the way that I root for super fans and smart, intelligent people, which Ren is, having a lot of fun with them. But I have a lot of criticisms for the way that Ren plays this because you say, take the potato, take the fish, people don't know. People knew there was so much suspicion on that. Um, going off later, Chris is, you know, tells the other side that they got a potato. So Rach even confirmed in my exit that the lie about the rice went to the potato. People were confused, people were suspicious. I did not enjoy the way that that was played by Ren. In saying that, I don't think Ren has to take the big fish. I don't think you have to take the big fish, but my get out of jail free card for these journeys after I watched it, Doom Nick and many other people, is you tell your majority. 
And if you don't have a majority, that's a problem in and of itself. Create one. If Ren takes the small fish, which is fine, and shares it, which is good. It's good to have to share it because now you're creating bonds. If Ren takes that and consolidates a majority, not just telling Doug, but telling Doug, Ash, Rach, and Chris, five people, the five that just voted together, I think we see a very different vote because I think we're rallying around something important, but there was no counter to what Lee was doing. No one was digging their heels into something important. I think Ren then loses an important ally in Rach. I think that they enable a value system, a physical value system that's against them. And I think it all starts on the wrong choice of the fish. So yes, it's an, it's it, the small fish. It's, it's an interesting choice. It's good TV. So from that perspective, Ren, you've ticked George's box. Hence the three points that. to Remarkable. No, yeah, it was, yeah. But I just think strategically questions abound. And honestly, from a television perspective, Lawrence making a different choice is interesting to me because it shows who they are as players. And that to me is like valuable I, I I think from a TV perspective, um, in terms of the choices, the, the big fish delivers nothing other than what we've gotten multiple times on Calaton, which is talking about we don't have any food and we're missing who, yeah. food. And it's just like it, 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 it was literally like worst case predictable outcome that could happen for the people watching this week of UK Survivor at home in terms of what Lawrence did. Is that is that a critique on him as a Survivor player and as, as a person? No. Um, I find Lawrence very charming. I think Lawrence is. is the kind of person. The skewer no, and the very, confessional? Very, Come on. Very charming, but an yeah. interesting as, as, as a, and admittedly, and this is a very kind of like pointed critique, but as a first time Survivor character, is Lawrence playing an interesting game? No. He is he is part of a cultural problem on that Calaton tribe where every single person <laughs> thinks that they're, they're on a holiday. You, you, you're uh, not on a cruise in the Caribbean. You're not on a cruise. You're well, not they know they're not because they smell bad. You keep hearing that. It's just like, I know. I agree I with you on that. <laughs> no one yeah. smells. You can't even smell each other. It's just like it. it it's just like uh, I, I feel like basically everyone on that Calaton tribe. <laughs> except shy thought they were making a documentary on the BBC and it's just it's just infuriating to watch and if like I'm hoping um, I'm hoping that maybe if we start taking the piss out of it through the edit that might be the only way to save whatever happens on this Calaton tribe before it dissolves well I Make do love take 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 the piss out of it because it's a red hot laugh we i love a good george rivalry like you guys thought simon you thought the spy award like no george versus calaton is the story of the season and you're not wrong about the beauty the beauty with simon is you're having kind of like you're having character debates you're like can you can you imagine like look at simon at tribal councils when i'm in there in real time playing the game I, I never once said, do you know what? What Simon is saying at this tribal council is not going to make it through post-production. Every time it was something interesting or random or a thought wow. process. And he tried to do something each and every second that he played the game, the first time and the second time. And it was great TV to watch and it was even more fun to play with him. Who's making TV on this Calaton tribe? Like what? what? What is the TV storyline that's happening on Calaton? Yes, we'll get to like the episode four recap after episode three, but nothing's happening. And I, I kind of like 
compartmentalize it like this. I think the standout character on Calaton is Jess because she's hitting her character brief and she's knocking it out of the park. She is she has scored goal after goal in terms of filling in the confessional space for I had no idea what I was expecting and here I am and XYZ's happening. And then when I get that from Jess, I'm like, I like this. I like how this person's filling the character brief. But what about the others? Like, what is anyone else doing on that tribe? We get main character energy from Tanuke. The the edit is telling us Tanuke is very important to this tribe and very important to the storyline. Is there innovative gameplay? No. We know Nathan's very good looking, has lots of muscles, you know, is very central in terms of the power structure on that tribe. Is anything exciting happening? No. Rachel, that's still in the game? No, absolutely nothing about her, apart from the fact she got very excited at the potential of winning a barbecue. Um, Matt, you know, uh, like, like, it's like, what's he talking about in his confessionals? You know, I know you get asked those questions by the producers, but you also control what comes out of your mouth as well. Like, make make me laugh, make me smile. Like I, I barely remember him. I see him pop up at the challenges and I'm like, okay, real kind of like middle of the road, under the radar, maybe they've got nothing to show. And then we've got like Shy, who everybody just says doesn't fit into the tribe. And I told myself, why is Shy having this experience in the game? It's probably because he's the only fan on this tribe that did the slightest bit of preparation when he walked in there probably try to have conversations with people. It dropped like a lead balloon when everyone else was trying to relax on their Dominican Republic holiday. And then, oh, that person's different. He doesn't fit in with us. He has to go. And fortunately for the audience, he's still there. Well, you know it's bad. Calaton, look what you've done. You're so boring that you made George wax lyrical about Simon. Um, I, look, I, I agree with you that they're like, you know, a vague blob of a tribe at the moment. We don't know much about the dynamics. It's not strategic. We had our concerns pre-season when no one on Caledon other than Shy seemed to be a fan. And I think that that has played out. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that is concerning. I do think that like in general, like I think that it's a little bit formulaic. I think that you can kind of, for me, like I can hear producers leading a question or kind of leading a storyline, even if it's around like, wow, you, you know, how do you smell? You know, like that kind of like, wow, they're on an island type, like, oh my God, we haven't had this for 20 years. We're still trying to like really like shoehorn in that novelty. And I can see that. Um, in saying that, like, I don't want to like be overly negative for this franchise that is, you know. Oh, I'm not negative on the for- franchise. I'm negative on the tribe. And okay, I think there's fine. a difference there. I think yeah. there's a difference there. So the, it is that kind of like chicken and egg situation. Who do you blame for getting that cast of people together on a tribe? Do you blame production for casting them or do you blame the talent when they're on set and they don't deliver? And that's a very difficult question to answer. I would lead to blaming the talent because uh, like you are going to make a TV show, whether you've heard of it or not and done any research. Okay. You could have done like bare minimum research, but when you know that the point of this TV show is we are going to have 16 episodes air a week, Please do something that's not sunbaking and turning pink in, in the sand on your beach. Please. I, I beg of you, please. Because okay. it's very boring to watch. I'm sure they would have got bored sitting there talking chitter-chatter like time after time. But that tribe is very boring to watch. And then I think this, Shannon, 
Name a worst tribe in Survivor history, entertainment-wise. Like, I can't think of one. Lamina. I, I really can't. The OG boring tribe on, you know, against Kasaya. <laughs> no? But we have a Lamina, it- so. So that was on Cerise's first season. So there was, like, Kasaya's, like, the most interesting tribe of all time, and Lamina is just, like, you know, pretty much the, the people that you forget. I mean, look, people will get bored of us just, like, ragging on Kalatog being boring. I think that, you know, we've covered it. Um, there, there's kind of like a, a physical mindset and it's it's not strategically based. Um, in saying that, last thing I'll say on it is that from a TV perspective, for sure, they can give different things. From a strategic perspective, someone like Lawrence or even even the way that the votes are, are happening, for Shy, I mean, by his own admission, he's an introvert. He's not connecting with people as much. It's hard to really, you know, maybe zero in on, on why that might be or if it's just like a personality clash or like what the issue is there with him. But you have to think about the fact that if you're saying that Shy has been might have been seen too strategic or too much of a fan, which made him an outlier, that's why someone like Lauren shouldn't do the strategic suspicious thing. That's why it kind of then, you know, like the lack of strategy begets a lack of strategy because you have to keep like facilitating the structure that is better for you in the game, even if it's not super fun from a TV perspective. And it's also to their capacity as people who don't know the game as well and are now just like in a system where no one's really teaching them and they're not learning. And they're just, you know, kind of enabling each other in the same mentality and the same mindset and approach of how you would approach the game with kind of the lack of experience and fandom that they do have. So that's Kalaton. The criticism has been laid. It's been heard. I would, you know, I would like to get to some of the the, the more fun stuff because in talking about the outposts, like we, we liked it, right? You know, like it, oh, it's fantastic. fun. I, yeah, like, it, I mean, well, I would have well liked to see them together. Well done the Survivor gods. Well done. Um, could they have done it together? They they could have. Um, that's what I really like about you know the journey that happens on New Era US Survivor because it they you know it creates it it, re- it creates a recurring storyline like the revenge for the you know the sandwich, sandwich. that never happened yeah. for Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, so could they have done it together? I suppose I I actually thought they were going to do it together, and then they rocked up to different kind of to outposts. But credit where credit's due, the saviors of the Calaton tribe are production and I just really hope they keep twisting it up because the more things that production do to intervene on that tribe the better the episodes will get whilst that tribe is still in its current formation yeah well I think that they had to go together the whole point of the outpost or the whole point of what we took from it when I was trying to explain it to Rob last week it's it's a it's the collaboration. It's the cross-tribe collaboration. It's the shared lie. That's what it was in Survive New Zealand. It was even challenges against each other. It was secrets kept. It was kind of the way that you could verify across tribes these stories that you would tell. And that's been true of, of even, you know, parts of the US survivor journey. And even then they split off into different into different journeys. And I don't agree with that. Like, let's keep them together and let's get some cross-tribe intel happening. And now luckily that does play out with Christopher, but that's definitely something they should have done. In saying that, I still thought it was a fun dilemma. The fact that we're here debating what's right and what's wrong and disagreeing shows that it was probably pretty difficult. Although I do think the hack in this, and there's always been the hack for me, is to just tell your majority because then people can't be upset. You use the information to connect with people, especially this early on in the game, you know, they don't know this and clearly an idol is going to feel like a big deal, but it's only good for three tribal councils. The suspicion that you lose for that is definitely not worth it. And the alliances that you could gain would be the most important thing. So I do think that that is a hack, but the fact that we are debating it shows that it's fun. The fact, I even like like something kind of interesting around take this middle thing and you get the clue as well, but you have to share it. That kind of like forced share and that collaboration is one of the, the options was fun. So I think that that was, a, you know, that was a good part of the, the two episodes. See, the real thing, and 
like it in, in terms of like real safety first approach is to actually go for one of the options that gets the clue walk back into camp and hold up the piece of paper if if you want to really be kind of like the the person that doesn't look like a schemer or a liar that is probably the safest mm-hmm. thing to do but maybe get the idol first for yourself See, I, I agree with that, but I don't think you do it for everyone. For me, telling your majority, so there's a majority of people who can't be mad at you, so that kind of makes you feel safe. That's a, that's why I say give them the clue. Because you can't even you can't even verify with a big fish. It might have seemed really not suspicious because it was a big fish, but it's not the same as like coming back with a piece of, piece of paper. Then people know that you're on the level, but I just don't think you have to do it with your enemies. Like Ren doesn't have to come in and do that, you know, with people um, that, she, that she's not necessarily with. While I just think if you tell a majority, then you're unifying as well and like using that information to really like get people together, um, especially when they had just voted with a majority. So it feels like those numbers really should have been there, could have consolidated beyond the vote. But for someone like Lawrence, I think maybe you do that less, you know, to come in. It doesn't seem, again, it's a vague blob of, blob of a tribe. There's not necessarily as much space to be like, these are my numbers. And maybe that would actually be quite like exclusive and would kind of alienate people to do that when that structure doesn't exist. But if you can kind of create a structure or at least like a firmer structure in this information and not look suspicious, I really, really like that. For Lawrence, because that isn't there and because the culture is so different, keeping it simple and still using information to, you know, really like align more with Tanuke, who is the one who suggested him from the beginning, using that information sparingly, individual, but being quite safe and communal and not suspicious, I like that. But for Ren, I just wish that they had gone a little bigger. Like they didn't want to tell... Rach and Ash because they were lying together and they didn't want to like spread the circle even more. I'm like, no, spread it, but spread it to like your slim majority of like safe people and make some allies. Like that's the way, that's the way that I would have wanted to do it. You know, like way back when in your first tribal council, did you not want to use the advantage to make allies? Like, I think that for me is what I would have wanted to do with like a real opportunity. I did the opposite. I needed to break down a power structure that would have been exactly how it is in terms of the current Lenina tribe. And I did it and I called it out and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of balls. And I told myself, I will deal with the ramifications afterwards. But when I build the, the tribe moving forward in the future, I need to fight and battle my way through. And if I'm successful, it'll be really good for my long-term prospects. And that's not me being retrospective. That's actually what happened. Um, do I expect non-fans, first-time players in a first-time season to be that ballsy with their moves? No, because a few people slid into my DMs or sent me tweets going, what would I have done if I was Ren in in their situation? What I probably would have done is I would have taken a calculated gamble on what Lawrence would have done. And the moment I would have been on the mat, I would have fired a bullet. Whether it was true or not, I would have started talking about a clue and an advantage and then if people on Lawrence's tribe didn't know about it, it really would have created a potential future target or someone that you can get out of the game, you know, unexpectedly. But that's kind of like, these are real kind of like hypotheticals that never happened. I'm, I, I don't actually have a concern with what Ren did. Um, my it went so issue, poorly. It couldn't have gone worse, went, to be honest. It went poorly because Ren didn't get the idol. I, I think I think Not worth that, it for the idol, George. It's definitely worth it for the idol because if no. you have a public idol and you play it, which is what you should do if everyone knows you have an idol, then you can, again, leverage that power that you have at that moment in time for your benefit. 
I don't think it's worth it for Ren, who is someone who Ash suggests Doug or Ren to go on this trek. And it's someone who's been in the middle, someone who can have relationships. And honestly, it is a credit to them that this didn't doom them more. Like the suspicion on this, the information that Chris has, the fact that Ren is not good in challenges, Ren should be in a lot more trouble than they currently are. So that kind of social standing is a good thing. That's the kind of thing that's now being kind of, you know, eradicated or eroded with this, this approach. And I think that it's, it's what kind of game does, does Ren want to play for the next near month? Do they want to have to leverage advantages over social capital because they've completely destroyed the social capital i mean at that point like they did they put themselves in a suspicious like point of view where people are wary of them and now they did have to get the idol and they didn't that's worst case scenario having the idol would certainly be better than not having the idol but there's a way in which people aren't so suspicious of you that you need an idol to leverage it because you have social capital that you haven't lessened by being suspicious and i think for ren there's a way to do that with the clue and have an alliance. And I think that for me was the way I would have gone. See, I feel like we're going to find out this week, Shannon. So we we saw the conversation that Chris had after that challenge for a reason. It's because Chris was, sus- he was sus. He he had suspicions. Yeah, everyone was sus. That every, everyone was sus, but Chris was sus. And he was very proactive in confirming his suspicions by going at the very, very limited time that you have to speak to people on the other tribe before or after a challenge publicly or privately to confirm your suspicions so ren has made a decision i i highly commend ren for making a decision and for putting some every thought decision into is it. a decision george the big fish is a decision it's just a decision you don't like not necessarily Lawrence not, not taking that clue is a choice it's an active choice to be more it's a very positive interpretation that's how i feel um I, I, I feel like there's more to come. I feel like Chris pointing that out um, means that that is going to be an important storyline in future episodes. Well, I don't think it's gone well for Ren. And I think that even if Ren had found the idol before Doug and the fact that they didn't is a disaster beyond. Like, <laughs> this is like, couldn't have gone worse. Even if they had, I still would have been critical because I just don't feel it's the right approach. Because then let's get to the vote at Lenena where... Mm. Again, for some reason, which we'll, we'll talk through, nothing is consolidating this five. We had a five that voted. We had a split tribe that won a vote. Doug, Ren with the swings, you know, with Chris, Ash and Rach. And now Ash and Rach are on the back foot having to vote for each other in a group that's so communal that they can split a vote. And there's no kind of counter argument. And I'm not putting that all on Ren for not consolidating it. I just think it would have gone a very, very different way. But I think we do have to talk you know, about the the Lee right now, about all of this, mm. about how Lee grabs his power. Because I kind of want to talk with some nuance well done, about, Lee. about Lee. Yeah, Look, okay, I mean, like, okay, I'm glad we well, can get well here Well done, say, Lee. Unconventional, <laughs> unexpected for those words to come out of my mouth. Yes, bloody I'm job surprised. well done. Bloody yeah, I mean, job well I'm, done. Okay, I'm, I'm use surprised your natural you ability. Use your, do, do I like his thought process? No. Mm-hmm. Do I like the fact that he has dominated his methodology and his mentality to be the dominant one on the tribe yes i do and he got what he wanted in that episode that poor lady rach who i thought was actually quite entertaining as a character went home yeah for lee who was just left out of a vote lee pegleg and hannah on the outs they were even saying lee's name it felt like he was at best gonna lose an ally and maybe even be a target but instead, Lee is going to use a phase of the game 
where he is emboldened as a strong man. And as much as we might not like that, and maybe that's an issue with the format of Survivor in and of itself, or at its best, Survivor should go through phases where it's trickier for Lee coming up and it's better for him now. And, and assuming that like twists don't kind of, you know, warp those phases, that's what the game is at its purest. And so Lee right now has that power where he's physically strong. People don't want to get rid of him as much. And he just like put some sort of like pedal to the metal in like brute forcing this vote. People were like scared of him and probably a bit confused and probably a bit passive in and of themselves to, to turn against him. And maybe that's a bit on them and like the new kind of franchise, but I, I do think we have to commend it because he comes out here socially, not great. The way people are feeling about him, probably not amazing, but he, I think firstly is entitled to using his physical attributes to push himself forward as much as we might not like it, make alliances that make sense for him. Making it based on physical strengths is, again, something we might not enjoy, but something that, as a strong man, pushing forward strengths and men <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is something you criticized with Jordy once upon a time in Talking Tribal that we did together, and I thought it made sense when he was, like, blue man, and I'm like, Jordy's a blue man. This is something, like, Abby Holmes <laughs> got a lot of cr- criticism for when she made an athlete's alliance. I'm like, but she's an athlete. So it's like, if you're pushing strengths, and you are strong, it works for you. As well, I feel that he is entitled to naturally relate more to men. It probably shows a little bit about maybe a narrow worldview outside of the game. But even Rach said in the X interview, she and Ash, as the blonde young women, did connect. We are That's why we need diversity, because we are more likely to go to things that are familiar to us. And for Lee, that seems to be something of a boys club. I think that he's entitled to those things firstly, and he's also entitled to weaponize them strategically. He should, and he is, and honestly, we should commend it. The nuance that I just want to say with this is that I would feel a little better about it if if the meta of that was being discussed by Lee in a in a confessional where it was like, oh, I don't love. This is why I'm to. doing this. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but it, like, and also like, I'm aware of the fact that like maybe pushing the women as weak when balance might be, a, you know, something that exists, you know, like balance for the tribe, or you know, maybe kind of putting these values forward isn't something I feel comfortable with, but I have to like rely on the skill set. I have to do what I can to survive. Like I'd like to hear it being used as, as a strategic tool rather than like what I am hearing, which is like the blondes need to go and like a pretty clear, genuine value system from Lee where it's like women are weaker and like this sense of strength that it isn't even like women are weaker because we're getting more of these challenges, which they are getting a lot of, it's quite varied, but there's a lot of brute strength challenges. It's not even like Looking at the nuance of that, there's no nuance. Like Lee believes these things to be true in probably their most dismissive ways. That part I cannot condone. How it's being weaponized strategically, again, I wish I wish it was more on, a, on an intellectual level that Lee knew what he was doing <laughs> in terms of weaponizing it. That part I have to credit because it worked. It was done well. But Lee, I wish it wasn't how you really felt in life. And I'm kind of sure that it is. And that's how I feel about it. So Shannon, just to be clear, you are ruling out Lee being a strategic survivor genius and very deliberately targeting the women to make sure as someone who's not the strongest man in the game, but still a very strong man will get to the end game. You're ruling that option out. Well, I mean, I know you're being facetious, but <laughs> I know, but like, but like, I honestly feel like it's so it's not binary, right? Like it's kind of vague in that where does Lisa with it? Like does like, it's a move that works and is good but it's also based in like probably uncomfortable values that Lee like genuinely has. 
how aware Look, is he of how he's utilizing that? I don't know. But the fact that it like he turns it around like that, again, I don't think it's so cerebral. I really don't. But there's something there that, you know, even if it's like 50% by accident, he does push it strategically. I don't, maybe I'm giving too much credit, but what, he, what, he, he what pulls really it off. Pulled- what what caught me off guard is I thought that kind of like machismal culture, if we're going to call it that, I thought that was more of a kind of like Southern European thing. I thought that's, that's everywhere, maybe George. how it's everywhere. Yeah, I, I it's I, a man's I, world. I know, and it's it, it's kind of like cultural stereotyping, and obviously I think very differently to that. Um, but I I'm surprised that that kind of base level of cultural thought, as inappropriate as it is. Um, exists in the United Kingdom. Um, was I surprised by it? No. And here's why I wasn't surprised. And it kind of goes you back to... I think the edit hinted it. I think the edit mm-hmm. hinted to it last week. And I read between the lines. And um, I think that was a very good piece of storytelling from post-production again, in terms of how the producers are telling the narrative of the politics that happens on the tribe. And the more they focus on that, um, if it's happening, and it's clearly happening on Lenana, um, the more interesting season we'll have. Because what makes Survivor interesting, and I always say this, is Survivor is a reflection of your personal context and your personal upbringing. And when you make a judgment call on on people that you don't know, sometimes you go back to what feels safe and what feels comfortable for you. And like you said, of course, and I've heard Haley say this a multiple number of times as well, you 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 gravitate toward what you're familiar to, and with Rach and with Ashley, that might have been the fact that they're two beautiful blonde women. And with Lee, who might live in a man's world at home or might have been, you know, grown up in a certain community with a certain mindset, um, it would be men are strong and women aren't as strong as men. And the only thing that matters in this game is strength, and that's why I'm doing this. I I definitely agree with you. Um, there very much is a disconnect in terms of why Lee is strategically making these decisions. Um, that's probably a very polite way of saying it. The strategy doesn't exist there. Um, but what I do respect um, is twofold. From a TV perspective, this has generated a lot of interest and debate, and that's great. That's fantastic. That's what you that's need true. in the reboot of UK Survivor. The second thing is you really have to respect his ability to dominate his mentality yeah. onto the rest of the tribe. And yeah. what was very interesting about this were two confessionals that we got, one from Chris and one from Doug, where Lee was such a dominant character in camp that Christopher um, felt uncomfortable to do it, but realized that his options may be limited whether that's the case or not is a different kind of mm-hmm. like talking point and we might get to chris's decision later it's the same kind of thought track that we had with duck you have the ability to pull off moves when you play the game of survivor and both doug and christopher had the ability to steer that vote in a different direction and they decided not to and then the talking point for like this podcast is why yeah hundred percent. I mean, I want to talk about it from Chris, Doug and Ren, who were the three members of that, you know, former alliance not being targeted, who let this happen. For Lee, I think where I land is like a lot of it is pretty innate in terms of, you know, actually thinking that's important to the tribe, actually thinking that's, you know, 
how strength should be measured, the dismissiveness, I think is all very real. Strategically, do I think that he's like, wow, I'm weaponizing a format that behooves me at this stage. And then later, it won't. Like, does he even know that Emerge is coming? No. I think there probably is. Like, the, the credit I will give is like, probably, there's probably some awareness around like, I'm strong. Yay, strength. You know, like, it, just on like that broad level of like, let me push strength and then I'm safe. And let me connect around strength. Again, is it so pointed and so purposeful? Maybe not. But I think there's something there that's kind of aware. Um, otherwise, I do think that it is kind of based on like a very genuine value system that is helping him because people want to win the challenges. So to talk about it from these three swing votes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, for, for a few of them, I mean, I guess I'll start with Doug because I feel like for Doug, it's fine. Doug is running circles around everyone just from every perspective. Like he can go either way. He seems to be enduring himself to everyone. This way he does have Leah as a shield. He is set up better for challenges. Like the fact that he, he, it almost was like he could, he could swap between groups and be fine. Like he's not facing any ire from being the swing vote who didn't vote with them last time. Like if anything, they need him. He shouldn't be swapping between groups. That feels like needlessly antisocial, but he, he can, you know, Doug gets so much done without, it seems any blowback through these episodes. He's the one who made the call last time. He can switch back here. He has people calling for allies. He's super, super strong. So he's not going anytime soon. He gets the idle clue from Ren, but he doesn't have the suspicion on him. Like he does everything perfectly. And if there is something here where there's like a brute force that is Lee pushing for something and someone like Doug would have to push against it with people who are good with him and want to work with him as much as he doesn't love that value system and wants to kind of deal with it in its time. I don't know that he should or has to be the person pushing against that. That feels like needlessly contrarian when going with the flow for him, like all the flows are good. You know, so I feel like for him, it's fine. Yeah, look, I actually think uh, uh, with with Doug, um, it's interesting that, that that there wasn't any kind of flagfall or repercussions from his deciding vote, essentially. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, to send Sabrina home. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting was when Chris said, I'm close to the girls and I'm close to the boys. And it's kind of like that benefit that Chris has in terms of being extremely athletic and good looking and mm. strong and a performer at challenges and um, having hit the ground running in camp, forming an, a relationship with seemingly everyone on that tribe. Um, I was more surprised that Chris didn't do anything to stop that vote than Doug. Um, I think mm -hmm. by default, Doug's hands were tied and it takes real kind of like individual courage to draw a line in the sand when there's a risk when you stand up and fight against something. And in this case, it was Lee's domineering attitude on that tribe. Um, I felt like Chris really had more kind of tools available to him um, before that vote, given that he was closer to Closest to Rachel, uh, sorry, Rach, not to get it confused with Rachel on the other tribe. He was closest to be. Rachel and Ash because that's what mm. he told us in a confession. Yeah. So the fact mm. that his two only allies in the game were at risk and he didn't use that as an opportunity to turn the target to anyone else who wasn't himself, um, Rach or Ashley, I feel like it was more of a missed opportunity on and a misfiring on Chris's mark in this episode rather than Doug. That's interesting because, I mean, to talk about it from Chris, like, yeah, for Doug, while he 
you know, should have made a stand and he made a choice last week. He does feel more in the middle. The fact that he's not getting any pushback or people aren't mad about that, that we've seen shows that he can kind of float in that middle position so he can go with the flow. Whereas Chris, we've seen much more on that side. He was not shown as a swing. And we do see him say that he's closest with with Ash and Rach. So it feels like for Chris, because if, if Chris, and we'll talk about Ren, if Chris, Ren, Rach and Ash want to win on as a four here on the split vote, and come back as four of seven, having one on this like fl- plurality, basically. Yeah, they're home four and of host eight. Tribe swap. Correct. They could they could do it. And for Ren, we'll talk about it. I think they definitely should do it. For Chris, I thought so at first. I thought like these are your allies. You know, I, I thought you know definitely do that. Honestly, firstly, I think Chris doesn't want to part with Doug. I feel like Doug and possibly also for Ren is like key to this decision making. Um, you know, around because that would be like we're really a four. And then Doug's kind of on the outs. Maybe Doug is an important ally in that. But we do see Chris say that he is closest to, to Ash and Rach. Um, but he also says he's good with the guys. So it's very passive. I don't know that so I what's the comp- condone what's it. the compromise option? And then, again, you can't, you can't hold like a really high bar for Chris. But if Lee is adamant that a woman needs to go, and his words, not mine, but if that's Lee's position and it looks like peg leg is someone that just acquiesces to Lee in terms of the dynamic on this tribe. Um, although, like on a side note, if I'm peg leg, I start to get worried given that I'm not performing, you know, in apostrophes in challenges because he has not had a good week in terms of challenge performance, um, which, you know, if that's the only determinative factor to vote someone off, you'd start to no, get worried. No, because he's a man. You? Well, correct. Like we'll you talk said about the me. hypocrisy. We'll talk about the hypocrisy. But, yeah, there is a compromise from Chris's perspective where you can keep Lee and Pegleg happy. Doug doesn't seem to want to get caught in the crosshairs of any of the people that he's got functional relationships with, and where you can keep your two closest allies in the game, and that's by targeting Hannah. Because it's, if Chris mm. offers, if I know, like it, this is real kind of like, let me Fan offer fiction. someone and steer the vote in that direction, but. Chris's best option in this episode was to vote off Hannah because then you keep the relationship moving forward with everyone else. And then, like you said, you've run away in a four or five person alliance and the next two targets become peg leg or Lee in whatever order you want. And you don't care because you make it to tribe swap, assuming they have a tribe swap. I but based I on some of the cast Instagram comments, they are going to have a tribe swap. Well, I'm not following anyone on Instagram for that reason <laughs> until the season's <laughs> over. I mean, I disagree. I think that that, I mean, that's a perfect world, but that's that's just not a situation that exists. Like for Lee, the hypocrisy is clear. Is he aware of that hypocrisy? Again, I want to hear, I want to hear him talk about this. Like he's recognizing it. I, if I'm so one of the producers, if I'm one of the producers, I would gaggle at the thought of going, Lee. How do you think that Pegleg is going in the challenges? But they did. And just to hear his But response. George, they did. They did. They, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's a hypocrisy there where like, yes, Hannah is in this like gender war where she's kind of, kind of Dr. Shaw where she's like, mm, I don't think that this is intentional that women are going. But in saying Hannah's that like. very under the radar. Ha- but, Hannah, but Hannah is right in that Lee will protect her. Like it's women go until it's a woman that Lee wants. You know, it's weaker challenge performers go until it's Lee's ally in Pegleg, who literally says, I was out first in that running challenge, and Lee's like, yeah, but you're fine. And I, I, again, give me a confessional where Lee's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm just, it's my alliance. Like the I people protect I want my to people with, to the death, yeah, and I'm going to protect yeah. Hannah and Lee. Well, know, if, he, like, if, he's like, if he's like the people that I want, like, 
yeah, I can broadly put them into like strong men. And when they aren't strong men, I'll protect them. Like, give me, show me that you're using the hypocrisy and that it's just a strategy for you to move your people forward and it's fine. But I actually think that he's just like, yeah, but Pegleg is fine or Hannah is fine based on his connections without the awareness. But that's why Hannah's not an option. For Chris, there are two options here. You don't, like, you don't upset the apple cart and you go with the flow, which I don't think which Hannah was an option happened. to do, which he did. Or the four of you, and we'll talk about Ren's position in this, but the four of you vote out a peg leg if you're concerned from a challenge perspective or a Lee and just come back four of seven and just, if you don't have to be as worried about challenges because you've got major buffer because you're at the top of the pecking order. Now, is, is that what I think Chris should have done? I think it's definitely a conversation to have. I'm not, I'm not as strong about it as I am with Ren, who I think if the option was there, would have had to do this. I see having, you know, Chris seems very social. I see having connections on all the sides and, and like being central and not alienating people early where you've like put off people where if you do go to something like a tribe swap, which Chris might actually know exists, be one of the people in the class who knows <laughs> that's something that could be coming. If you do go, you haven't like alienated or made enemies of people when they want to be your friend. I think that alienating people possibly now seems a little counterproductive early again in, in in a culture of the show that's not as aggressive strategically where you're kind of like sinking into this passive culture again i i think that that passive choice is a choice was it the right choice i actually think there is some merit there but i hope it's not just him being pulled by like you know by the culture but like just you know lee just like really pushing this vote and him just kind of falling into it i hope there was a real active choice around what could have been done and then choosing like i actually choose not to alienate those people. And I do think there's merit there. Wow, if the four of them did that, I think that that would have been pretty spectacular. So if you look at, if you, here's the thing from Doug's perspective, and I do think some of this thought process would have been in the back of his mind because he's definitely someone that puts thought into his decisions that he's making. If they stick with Lee's agenda, which is to vote off the weak and that has to be a woman, Ashley is gone if they lose the next immunity challenge. Let's call that episode five. And then say they lose another one in episode six and they get really unlucky and they don't get an immunity challenge that plays to their strengths. Then it's Ren. Yeah. Do you know why it's Ren? Look at her knee braces. If, if you are playing the game of Survivor and you find yourself lumped on a tribe that is completely domineered by a strength-only attitude, no matter how bad my knees are, I am not wearing knee braces so visible and so kind of like alarming to someone like Lee that it, it just screams out, I'm not in peak physical condition. And that's the only I mean, criteria Peg that you're doesn't using have a to make leg. assessment in this game. Yeah. But there's, I but know, there again, I like, know, but, but Ren I mean, is like, I do, good book. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I, look, I, as much as the, the, you know, slight misogyny was an issue, I do, I, I appreciate the lack of ageism Slide. and ableism <laughs> that has put, that has put, giving grace, that has, you know, put oh. Peg leg in with Lee. Like, like, uh, there's something Be funny about the fact. to Lee today, Shannon. I mean, you also were, were crediting him. I feel like, I mean, look, Pegleg also has done very well in many of the challenges. Like, he hasn't been slowed down by age or disability in many of them, and some, some are more difficult. But that is true of Ash and Rachel. Like, that's the diversity of challenges, but they don't get the grace that Pegleg does because that is what Lee is pushing. So if we're saying that it would be Ash and then it would be Ren, then surely we have to be saying, this is, like, terrible for Ren, I feel. And, and, and like, can Ren, I think can I Ren said it last week. Ren, if, I, I feel like Ren's been far too passive to do what's in their best interests. And 
if you see a culture forming on tribe strength, you need a nip it in the bud as quickly yeah. as possible. Oh, you can def- you don't you don't need to blow stuff up. You don't need to do these big dramatic moments like I had to in the outback in the first third of the game. But every time the conversation gets up, you need to passively steer it in another direction. And the fact that Ren has not put a sock in that conversation, all power on this tribe has ceded itself to Lee. And whether it's, whether it's deliberate or not on Lee's end, and from my perspective, it's not deliberate. It's more of a kind of like cultural thing coming out on the floor um, of a national TV or international TV show. Um, but Lee's taken control of this tribe and yeah. good luck to him. Let's see what you can do now that you're in the driver's seat. I'm so concerned about what Ren was doing here for a few reasons. Firstly, from a challenge perspective, they have been worse in challenges. We're still waiting for that puzzle. They dropped out, you know, first with the running. I have to, It annoys me to have to really pay attention to the challenges because they're so important to the okay. way people are voting. But, like, the one-on-ones, like, Ren has lost. I dis- Are we going to talk about the running? Are we going to talk about Lee's strategy in these challenges? Mm, and maybe. More I don't credit- know have more. It was Hannah, by more- the way. Hannah came up with that. <laughs> that strategy. Was Hannah? I thought it was Lee. I no, thought then Joel Lee just was going- agreed. No, I thought I thought Joel was really trying to Anna bring really up that. at that tribal council in episode three the fact that this was Lee's idea to just drop off as quickly as possible and burn out holding twenty thirty kilos worth of bags. Lee, as the the leader, spelled L E E, has to answer for the decisions they make. But I heard Hannah give that suggestion. Um, but anyway, Ren doesn't do great in that challenge. Ren is not amongst the most physical people in this tribe. Beyond that, Ren is not a man. Ren is someone that Lee says is a proxy of Doug when talking about the numbers. He says that, you know, like he has Hannah, Doug has Ren. In the other group, Rage was saying that in the exit with me that Ren had brought Doug in. So it kind of like flips that power dynamic in terms of the power structure that I really feel like Ren should have driven. Um, Ren, you know, says that Lee will come for us. And then I feel less it happens. So does it come down to, Ren couldn't make it happen, didn't want to push Doug, who's such a key ally for them. You know, maybe Chris really didn't want it to happen. And we do see that again, Chris was making a bit of a passive choice in doing that. Or does it come down to Ren didn't want to? Because all we hear in confessionals is Ren saying, I want to win challenges, not even just a tribal, like I want to win challenges to us. And if that is the decision being made, I just could not disagree more because I feel like lose the challenges, be the top of the hierarchy, vote out some fodder versus oh no, you have to win challenges because if you don't, there's a very real chance that you will go home because you are at the bottom of the hierarchy. So I just, I feel very concerned about the thinking here, about whether it's something they even wanted to do, whether they could pull it off or not. And honestly, the more we talk about it, even though I kind of was okay with Chris being passive in this more passive culture and being okay with being kind of central, I'm now like thinking a little bit more that Chris should have done it because I think about how Chris's main connections were Ash and Rach. And I just don't think you want to give up something like that. So I'm definitely more on the fence for Chris because I think that you will piss some people off and alienate people, which is a hard thing to do early in the social game that is quite passive. But losing a connection like that and letting the numbers fall possibly against your agency, even if you might be okay, is not something I really love from Chris. So basically where I put it down to is like, Doug, fine. I see it all the ways. And he does something that's fine for him. And he has a lot of outs, a lot of pros, power all the time. Then Chris... 50-50, honestly, but like thinking more about it, like would have been baller to do and would have given him more agency and control within being a very, like a more aggressive move, but he would have really put his foot down in an interesting way. And then for Ren, there is no redeeming factor here in how this goes for Ren. And I genuinely don't even know like, 
how they could let it happen. Like we don't see them appealing to Doug or Chris on this. And I think it should have been imperative to unite Ash and Rach. And I know there was a lot of fear and paranoia of like, I just don't want it to be me. And everyone's like leaves is capitalizing on, on like everyone running around for that and being scared of that. But I wish they could have just come together, Ash, Rach, Lee and Chris. And the fact that I'm leaving Doug out of that probably shows that Doug is maybe fifth year and, and it, like he did the right thing being more integral to the other alliance. But for, for Chris and especially for Ren, that group needed to come together here and come back four of seven and just pick off whoever they wanted from there. I, I actually am 100% in agreement with you in terms of that Much power rarity, structure ranking. We agree. <laughs> but it, 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 no, more often than not, sometimes we have different interpretations. It's true. We, it's just come, if we disagree, we, we do loudly. Conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I definitely think, again, there is the least flag fall for Doug there, if you're going to summarize it in a short way. I do agree that Chris probably has diminished his own power structure or power base on that tribe because he lost one of his direct allies because they were pitted against each other, Ash and, Ren, uh, Ash mm. and Rage. Mm. But this, there is no redeeming factor for Ren. Ren is completely it's vulnerable sad. on this tribe now, and Ren's destiny in this game is completely tied to what Doug decides to do with Ren. Yeah, and that's, that's troubling. And I also and that's think... Scary. You, I wonder as well, if Chris needs to do this with Ren, if they need to go all in on saving these two targets in, in Ash and Rach, who are both like on the shopping block in their own way, does Chris not want to do it as much? Because Ren is lying to him openly with a fish that he knows wasn't the fish. You know, does that level of suspicion and distrust mean like, maybe I don't want to piss off people to go all in on you, liar. You know, so like possibly that distrust, again, like it's very different if Ren comes back to the five and it's like, we're a five. But maybe mm-hmm. Chris, Chris is like, look, Lee is kind of aggressive on this, but he's not lying to me openly. Like, maybe he feels better about well, do you that know what Chris thing. knows? Do you know what Chris knows, Shannon? When is Lee going to vote for Chris? Not anytime bloody soon. Because he's all not the a women woman. women are gone, maybe Hannah. Correct. He's not <laughs> yeah, a woman. So, yeah. He's not a woman. He's not, in, he's not in Lee's crossfire. Yeah. Look, and, and it is an interesting one. I think, like, Hannah's so interesting here because Hannah's, like, not with the women. I mean, Rach said Hannah was very good with everyone, and I definitely see Hannah just kind of, like, holding on for dear life as much as this, like, gender war might be worrying for her. But I just, like, I feel it's so it's so, so interesting when people don't fit into, like, the neat boxes. It's like, hey, well, I'm a woman, but I'm also a professional athlete, and I'm close to Lee. So, like, am I part of, like, you know, how much am I being condemned to this? I feel like... I think this is very, very good team politics. This is very good team politics from Hannah but it's not making a good TV show in terms of gameplay. So is, is Hannah vulnerable in terms of a vote? Not on Lee's pecking order. Hannah becomes the compromise target if Chris and Doug with Ren decide to draw a line in the sand. And by default, you have Ash on side in terms of a alliance and dynamic on that tribe. But from, from Hannah's perspective, I feel like she's just in a silo, Managing the team politics very well, something that she'd be used to in that women's football space and not threatened in terms of being a target at a tribal council. So fair play to her. She's obviously like worked the social politics aspect of this early part of the game out very well in the first 10 days. Is it conducive to making a good TV product from an entertainment perspective? No. But that might not be a priority for Hannah. Yeah, I mean, I think she's in a better position than you do. I don't think she's going to be collateral because it seems like apparently she has good relationships with everyone. And I kind of feel like if if Chris and Doug are making that move, like 
Tanner's very close to Lee. I think that she he really does value her as much as he can value a woman. <laughs> so, um, you know, and she is like, you know, physically the kind of strength that Lee would also value. So I do feel that she's okay. Like, I think that if if Chris and Doug are going to go against Lee, like they're taking a shot across the bow at actually Lee or maybe Pegleg um, mm. in a way that like Hannah, from their perspective of her kind of close relationships to some of the other women and the fact that Lee wouldn't let her go. So, you know, he's not going to offer up as a sacrifice. So if you're going to take her out, you're actually just going to actively piss off Lee. So you might as well take a shot and not miss at someone that's like, you know, very much against you or could be against a group that you're forming like a Lee or a peg leg. And Hannah, I think is kind of good enough in with everyone that Lee would protect her. And the other side wouldn't even want to go there because she's not like so different and so alienated from them in a way that, you know, Lee could really be the enemy in a world where he's not like leading things, if that makes sense. So I think she's actually in probably better than people know all that's been shown because I agree it is, you know, it's under the radar, but that's a good thing because it's like, you're not going to be one of the targets. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I was a bit confused, and I asked Rach about this of like, Ash versus Rach and like how it became Rach versus, you know, because it felt like this is a good question, actually. Well, apparently, Rach was like very clearly looking for the idol in a way that was suspicious. 
Um, so that makes sense. I do think something that's so interesting and one of the worst things about what Lee is doing is this kind of punitive system where it's not even just like, mm, I don't think you're going to help us in future challenges. It's like you screwed up the challenge today. It's like, but that challenge is over. Like that's chasing points that are gone. Like we're never going to get that type of challenge again. So it's not even like building for the future. It's just punishing people who did poorly today. Um, or like with Rach, it seemed like one of the main talking points was like, she should do even better as a PT. So instead of keeping a PT physically who could help us in the future, let's be mad at her for not doing more compared to Ash and vote her out. And I just think like, maybe you're losing challenges because of the stress and disharmony of whoever screws up goes home. Like that is a tariff. Like that is not, a, I'm not, I'm not really an athlete, but that to me doesn't feel like a great way to perform in challenges. So yeah, I feel like the hypocrisy is its own thing with, with Lee, but like also just as a leader, is it like, guys, let's do really well. Let's be callous on today. And if it doesn't, it's fine. We'll just vote you out. Like that's the terrifying way for people to approach challenges. So if Rage See, fell, it's, it's, it's very that, difficult because I, I have been in that situation when I come back from my injury in episode two of Heroes v. Villains, and then I volunteer for the puzzle, and I did not do good at that puzzle. You know, maybe I shouldn't have volunteered for a puzzle when I was still probably concussed. But irrespective of the fact, I had someone standing next to me that did even worse than me at that puzzle, and they did absolutely nothing, and that was Fraser. And Fraser got no criticism at all from that you puzzle. You should have done better? Like people no. expected more of you? Is that what it was? People, correct. People expected yeah, more like than range. me. I'm yeah. the intellectual person. I should have done better. It's my fault. But I addressed the elephant in the room the moment we were back on in camp. I put up my hand and I said sorry. And by saying sorry, I stuffed up. It's my fault. There's no one to blame for losing the challenge except me. I disarmed any kind of negative criticism that you could have had for me not performing at that challenge. Did Rach stuff up any particular challenge? Not really that I can she recall, the to knots. be honest with you. The knots was with Sabrina. That was the one that was, I mean, I don't know if they're still, are they still punishing on the knots? Like Sabrina already still, suffered for that. I mean, she didn't give up on the knots. Like, are we going to say Sabrina gave up on the knots? Is, are we falling for Lee's trap of listening to know. his very punitive mentality? <laughs> but it, it's just like sometimes what you need to do in a situation like this, and I actually talk a little bit, a little bit about this in my book, is if you disarm the negative criticisms that your enemies or your opposition has against you, you take control and power of that mm. situation to the best of your ability. Would that have had an impact with Lee if Rach walks up and goes, I'm sorry, I stuffed up at this challenge, I'm a personal trainer, I should have done better, would have had zero impact. But it might have been a TV moment. It might have been like mm. rolling the dice to see if you can change his mind, if, if there's any mind to change with Lee when it comes to women having any value outside of, you know, whatever women are supposed to do according to Lee, which is not yeah. perform at anything that's physical. Yeah. I think we're getting close to being maybe Lee's gonna have some words if Lee um if Lee is listening to this podcast. I did see that Lee had commented asking what a confessional is. I did Oh so. no. So should we touch momentarily on your favorite tribe, Calaton, who also go to a tribal council? What a difference, Shannon. What a difference. <laughs> you, we, we had almost 40 minutes of debate from the very fascinating politics and power structures that have embedded themselves on Lenina after 10 days. How do we dissect the dynamic on Calaton? Let's let's go for it. Yeah, the dynamic is, you know, the weakest person in their minds versus shy at any given opportunity. Like. <laughs> Rinse, repeat forever. Um, it's tough. I feel like 
we need it. We, we need to dissect it in a vote, and then in voting them to the other tribe. Even though I'm fairly sure the tribe did not in any way consider how that should change their thinking of they're not voting someone out, they're voting them to the other tribe. Firstly, in terms of this Australian survivor type twist, uh, mm. look. I'm not loving that there has to be a non-elimination in a 16-episode season. Like the way that we, the reason that we put up with it for Australian Survivor is because it's commercially necessary. Was it? Yeah, it used to be 26. You know you're going to get three non-eliminations. Yeah, like and there's nothing they can do. One on this season. I'm going to be yeah. So the the UK consultants have told me that these types of big twists are a big thing for like UK reality TV. That kind of big moment is to be expected, and we do know as well they're very inspired by and probably utilizing production from Australian Survivor. So it makes sense to hear Joel say JLP's words in that way. Um, but I wish it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to do it because Australian Survivor does it. But it's like Australian Survivor does it because we go on for, you know, so many episodes. So while I am happy that at least they said it before the vote, and, you know, it's not like so game breaking. It's definitely not like the worst of the things we've seen compared to Australian Survivor, which can really, you know, rock the whole game in a way that feels more unfair. It's also are just unfortunate because it's like, why Shannon, are we doing this are you, at all? Are you talking about, me losing my second closest ally, Baden, due to one vote thanks to a random fire challenge win it. that only three people were allowed to participate in and everybody thought Haley got screwed there, but really I got screwed there because I never had an issue with Haley and I was running the game with her. I feel like this is a much needed and welcomed intervention by production to make sure that the TV show becomes interesting when it's Caliton focused and it's Caliton focused when they lose an immunity challenge. Mm. And it feels and pretty all, adaptable in a way I don't agree with. Like I don't think they're I, doing that on the fly. I I think I think sometimes you have to. I think sometimes you have to. Um, does it happen on Australian Survivor? No, because it doesn't need to. And like you said, we all know on Australian Survivor we're going to have three non-elimination episodes. Um, if if I'm one of the producers sitting in the production base camp, and I'm on day eight, and I've had that dynamic in terms of reality tv served up to me there are panic stations and alarm bills triggering in my mind Problem. just do something do something in terms of trying to add a bit of audience interest to this tribe dynamic that just doesn't exist um i welcome that twist i completely welcome it um i tell myself if anything can be done that doesn't kind of you know, question the integrity of the game from a production perspective to make Caliton more interesting because it's not meeting the expectations that you had when you cast these nine people on the tribe or, you know, seven people that we're left with now. Please do it. And thank God that they did. did thank God. Was it interesting television for them to do exactly what they were still going to do and just send Leilani well, to another tribe instead of home? Like, I think, did we I get think a lot of... A lot of power and agency has been gifted to Leilani now, and it's really up to what Leilani does with but it they in the don't next know episode. That. Yeah. So Correct. we've seen a, a lot of people get sent to the other tribe like this, and then we also saw Jerry get mm-hmm. sent to, um, you know, the other tribe temporarily, which made it seem like it was more of a move. The way that they're treating Leilani now, we hear a lot of people say, Lauren says it, Rachel to Nuke say, you know, voting confessionals at tribal, like this is a spy for us. And like, they're not even coming back. So it's literally like, we're just voting you to the other tribe, not just to the other tribe. We're voting a small blonde woman to Lenena. Good luck to Leilani going now to leave tribe. But they, they are looking at it like there's going to be this sense of loyalty. 
And there shouldn't be. In Australian Survivor, there is not. People just want to burn them. We saw like Kara as an example. Even Jerry, who was sent there temporarily, was like, I am well, obviously Simon here, and I fought over Jerry the moment that he walked into camp. Yes. But, and, and, but the thing is that that's how it should be, which makes it such an interesting decision, which makes it like, oh, this is like a punishment. It might seem like you're keeping a member on the island, but actually you're creating an enemy that's very hard in a way that we debated the move with Jerry, like what the best thing was to do then. And even then Jerry was coming back and Jerry also, they could have taken him out, but Jerry was a big reason that it did not go well for the heroes. So it's a very big and important move. I don't think Halaton possibly realizes like as a tribe how powerful that can be but the other side of that coin is that Leilani also doesn't probably understand it like is Leilani going there to just be like you know I'm going to torture this probably not so in in looking at the decision that they make and I don't think they make it based on the twist I think overall they're voting Leilani out which, no matter what I agree with yeah this. and like for, for like before the twist I kind of feel like it shouldn't be Leilani who seems she says she's on the outs so maybe you think they're both like she and Shia on the out. So like at least have, you know, possibly a better challenge kind of situation. But she, we see that there's value in these more diverse challenges either way. And Shy, I think is so on the outset, if they know there's a swap coming and maybe someone will tell them one day, like Shy will like, I think, cut them. So I think that they should cut him. So I like, I don't agree with that to begin with, but then, so then the twist comes and they should be rethinking, but they're not. And for Leilani, while at first I thought, Okay, take out Shy. You know, he's going to be against you anyway. Just send him to the other tribe. Like, if he's going to be turned against you regardless, then don't turn another person against you. So that if you get to a swap, like Leilani is pissed off because you sent her home here. And if Shy is still around, he's against you too. You have like multiple enemies. But then I was, that was my first instinct. But now I'm thinking, I don't know. I feel like, firstly, they might not want to give the other side the chance to recruit Shy and they're going to have to compete against him physically, which we know is important to people if they were thinking through the twist, which. I don't think they are, but like they might not want to do that. They might want to have the agency of having Shy with him to cut him in the future on their tribe. So I think there's some some merit there. And for Leilani, Leilani should have so much power in her hands. Does she know that? I don't really think so. Like I feel like she could actually stay kind of loyal. And even if she doesn't, the chances of her making out of Lenena are slim to none with Lee. So <laughs> it's kind of like you're sending her as a sacrifice. And if she makes it through, like she could still be okay. And you have Shy there to cut at your leisure and at your will because he just has nowhere to root, like move in Calaton. So I don't, like to summarize, I don't think Leilani was the right choice in the original decision they made. And then I think it got made into the right choice when the twist happened and they didn't pivot because they just kept voting the way that they were going to vote. Do you agree with any of that? Um, yes and no. I think <laughs> in terms of the Calaton politics in episode four, the key moment happened and it was the slightest, most innocuous piece of commentary and it came from Matt in one of the few things that he was credited for in terms of, you know, the storyline in terms of the episode. And it happened when Shy got up to do that reward challenge run in the water trough against yeah. Lee. Mm. And then Matt said, I don't know why he went up there. I wanted to then do he it. won. <laughs> and then he won. Correct. Yeah. So if there was any doubt, and then this is also a strength-based tribe. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, definitely. If we're going to call Nathan and Tanuke the decision makers, they're only making it based on strength. And then maybe I'm overcrediting Tanuke um, to say that she doesn't particularly want a woman to go home. But I still think this is fan fiction, George. 
um, maybe from the preseason, George to, to new pay all girls aligned from the preseason. I, <laughs> Where she cuts Jess. What? It, it's very good for Tanuke if she keeps a dynamic style tribe around her. Is Tanuke thinking like this in reality? I don't think so. I think it's more basic in terms of what is the best decision for this tribe strength-wise and Tanuke and Nathan are kind of like yin and yang in terms of they're just directly aligned in terms of that thought process. Um, but I think the moment Shai wins that, any doubt about his sense of worth on that tribe in terms of being a, a challenge asset was completely eliminated in anyone's mind because Lee talks the big game at challenges. He talks like he's the biggest alpha male you've ever seen in the world and this guy just beat him. And his stock in terms of shy stock skyrocketed through the roof and any kind of like misconception on whether he's an introvert or he doesn't fit into you know, the boring chitter-chatter that probably happens on that tribe went out the window. And then I think Leilani became the only valid option from that point moving forward. I also agree with you where from a TV perspective, I would have loved for Shy to have gone to that other tribe. To see Shy, the game player, work a complex political dynamic with Doug, uh, with Chris, with Ren. um, And then, you know, you've still got Ashley and Hannah there who are navigating the waters. You've got mm-hmm. Lee who think he can recruit another man. And then you've also got Pegleg who can, you know, turn the lever either way if he decides to play a more active game. Um, that would have been even more fascinating television from the Lenina perspective. There is, yeah. There's still potential with Leilani going there. Okay. So Leilani, Leilani's destiny comes down to the women sticking together on that tribe. I love your it, optimism, George. It is, Which is it what is didn't happen. It is that simple. And no. I'm hoping to God that a light bulb goes off no, in Ren's George, mind and says, no. I am not going to let this person go out of principle, out of principle. No, George, over my it's never dead body. Oh, Am my God, I letting George. this middle-aged yoga instructor who is probably going to win every single individual immunity challenge because her body weight and power ratio is at the supreme level for Survivor, I don't know if Ren's thinking that far ahead. I am not going to let this person go out of principle. Well, and that's what I'm hoping we see on episode five. What lovely optimism you have because they would not do that for a close ally in Rach recently. <laughs> like right now, they're certainly not doing that for someone they can't even trust from the other side where Leilani might not even be with them. And they would be, again, like all the things we're saying about for Chris and for Doug. I mean, Ren should definitely, this gives Ren another opportunity to hopefully get Chris and you know, pull the power back, but I don't think they'll be able to. We have a similar outlook in life. We're happy, positive people. See this guy in camp who keeps telling everyone that women are weaker than men. Why don't we go for him? Yeah, well, Ren doesn't seem to want that, is looking at a strength-based approach, and even if they did, I really don't think we'd be able to pull it off because Chris and Doug... Chris didn't want to do it for a close ally and he's definitely not making waves, which there is, again, some merit to just, you know, keeping it cool when, when people want to play with you. He's not making waves for a new person. Shannon, you've got to look at the opportunity. And when I saw Jerry, I told myself I could be lumped with some of Jerry's friends at a tribe swap, but that really takes more advanced I mean, level gameplay. True, yeah. true. But, and I, I, does Leilani have many friends on that tribe? 
probably not. Not necessarily if she was such an easy unanimous vote. But well, she's got connections. And if you're stuck with Leilani and one, two, three, or four other Kaloton on that tribe, that becomes the key to move from that tribe swap phase of the game to the merge. Is anybody thinking at that level? Perhaps Ren and Doug might. It looks like Chris has done a lot of preparation to get ready for the game. Probably not Lee um, or Pegleg or Hannah. Um, but the Leilani's destiny, I feel like, is still in her own hands and she has to work out the dynamic on the new Lenena tribe as quickly as possible. What will help Leilani in terms of longevity is not going to tribal council in two nights' time. And if if Leilani survives the next vote, she becomes a real kind of like key player in the game as long as she's aware of what's happening around her. And is she? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Well, I think Ren getting a do-over possibly at shifting the momentum and the hierarchy is a great thing. But unfortunately, I think that Ren will not have the opportunity to do that because I think for Chris and for Doug, Chris made a 50-50 call probably. Doug made like a 70-30 call. They both went in a way that was at worst fine for them and for Doug, maybe actively good. And they're not going to throw that away now on a less key alliance, especially for Chris, when they've made a bed that they're lying in. So I don't see any... You know, even if Ren wanted to, I don't see any capabilities. I don't know that they would even want to. And for Doug and for Chris, I think now they have committed themselves to a line of thinking that did make sense for them. But, you know, upsetting the apple cart on that now to me seems inconsistent. And I don't think that they would do that um, as fun as as it would be. Because, yeah, I think there's something a little funny and sad about like a, a complete like like anti-small blonde women storyline that ends the week <laughs> in Leilani going to Lenena is like, like a sad irony. But yeah, it's irony. interesting. You talk about Leilani's connections because, or maybe people who just want Shy out more. Like we know Jess voted for Shy originally. She wants Shy out. Tanuke says that she wants Shy out. Matthew says he doesn't want to vote on strength. Like that's already four with Leilani of eight. But I think the key thing is we, we, we don't know where Lawrence sits, but we do see Nathan really wants Leilani. And Rachel also says Leilani. And I think Nathan's influence again is just so key here. Um, Tanuke, again, I'm looking to see more from Tanuke. I'm seeing those individual connections. I'm seeing like a good social game, but it's not playing out in an active way because I feel like she wants Shy out. Leilani goes here. She didn't want Richard out. She didn't get that. So she's not manifesting it in a way that she's getting what she wants. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe if you're socially good for every, with everyone and you're just building those social blocks early, maybe that's enough, especially within this culture and you don't need to put your foot down, but she definitely hasn't been doing that. So has she been losing assets? Possibly, but maybe she, she's good enough with everyone where she can afford to. Um, but I'm looking to see a little bit more. I don't, I don't see a reality where Tanuke or Nathan get voted off on this current tribe before a Definitely tribe Definitely not. I, it just, they're at the top just, of the pecking order. It, they're at the top of the pecking order. Who's turning on them? And it, there's just no, there's no gameplay on this tribe. And I, I, like literally it's just, a, it's just this top-down approach. Tanuke and Nathan get a consensus between them on who the target is. Probably they largely invite... led by Nathan. Um, yeah, because Tanuke hasn't got away either way. Like we've seen those discussions both times and they were at odds and Nathan's way won out both times, which again is fine. If that's Tanuke's strategy to be like, we're a duo, you get your way. I'm good with everyone. I can kind of go either way and I'm going to 
only push a little bit later and I don't want to kind of use that social capital now, you can use it. You can be the one calling the shots. You can be my shield. You can be the target. I think that that's fine. But I do think Nathan's will is being done. Both times. Yeah. I look at it like this on the holiday tribe. It's like (laughs) someone orders a round of pina coladas and everyone's having a drink. It's like, who's paying the bill? Is it Tanuke or Nathan? Who yeah. cares? Who what, cares? are we calling them the Kalaton Inn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so wrong. it's, it's just wrong. like, unfortunately for the audience, Rachel and Matt are lying down and they're turning pink in the sun. And that's oh. been the highlight of their, of their game so far. And we've got Jess, who is a highly entertaining TV character, filling the brief, but is also on this same holiday. And unfortunately, this holiday is not a cruise that will turn into a pirate ship in the Caribbean, Shannon. This is just a bunch of people from the United Kingdom tanning in the sun. And whoever gets the worst tan goes home. But unfortunately, that would be an interesting storyline for post-production to use. Instead, all they can use is, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I miss home. Bye. Okay. Well, who says it isn't symmetry? We started and ended the podcast <laughs> bitching about Calaton being boring. So I think people get it, George. George hates Calaton, everyone. Everyone aware that they're not making the best TV for George. So let's get to So what are we hoping for? Let's drop the buffs and start again. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see let's see some of the strategy of Lenana. Even the, the strategy we don't like as much. At least it's a gameplay, you know. Like, let's see I some active strategy, kind of you know, infect Calaton. In terms the best of, like, thing that can happen holiday. for week three of UK Survivor is Calaton winning the next two immunity challenges, and then the buffs dropping in episode seven. And I'm hoping to God that happens. See, it's interesting. You don't want Calaton to go to Tribal Council because it's boring, but that means they also stay around, George. <laughs> then you're losing but, the more strategic but members. After, after, you know, 14 to 21 days of being out there, then the game takes over in terms of a beast. And, you know, it's Jeff Probe's mythical beast starts becoming the main character and the game is the beast. And you'd think by the middle of the game, um, the people of Calaton might start doing something that would be of interest for the audience. Well, DBD on that. Let's get to the chizzy. Take it away, Jacob. Take it away, and MC Color. One, two, three. Okay, George. I'm really interested in your points this week. Give me your three, two, one. Um, given that I'm not allowed to give production three points, I'm going to have to adjust my initial points uh, on the fly. So. I'm going to give my one point to a member of Calaton so I can um, be fair and objective in terms of my tribal point distribution. And I'm going to do this on TV reasons for someone that I've already praised as meeting their character brief and absolutely smashing it out of the park in terms of being an entertaining person on a reality TV show that's trying to establish itself to a new audience. And that's Jess, because Jess seems to be the person that production is turning to to talk about how confronting the conditions are. And when I look at someone like Jess, I go, I feel your sister because I know that you're doing it tough and you're not giving a generic line. You actually mean it. How is so this a some- gameplay point in the chizzy? Because this is a TV show and she's no, doing very George. well at it. The chizzy I am giving is a gameplay award. 
I'm okay. giving one point to well, Jess, who understands why oh she's God. on this I'm TV so show. I'm so done with people taking the chizzy and just doing what they want with it. It's a pretty clear criteria. For gameplay, George. Can you tell we me what Jess did in gameplay? If you can give me one thing that could Jess has avoided point. being the target despite being so overwhelmed and confronted by the harsh conditions in the Dominican Republic. And she was, she was not the Leilani it. that went to the other tribe. All right, let's go to Lenena. She wasn't um, Leilani. What a, well done. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to Lenena. Let's go to Lenena. That was my real positive from Calaton this week. Um, let's go to Lenena. Um, this is a difficult one. I know where my three points is going, um, and it goes to the person that made the right tactical decision for them who found an idol. It's going to Doug again. Um, Doug's had so a three great points two, or two points. Three points. Three points it's to very Doug. Very confusing to do it one, three, two. I know. It's the weirdest Eurovision scoring point system ever. Um, Doug's really had a really strong two weeks. Um, it's very impressive and um, really delighted to see it, particularly coming from someone that's a fan and a supporter of the franchise and making good TV, which is very important, um, which comes to my number two. And this is a very difficult one for me um, because I feel like a lot of people made mistakes despite the outcome not being necessarily negative for them. Um, I think from my perspective, um, I have to give it to someone who I felt like benefited the most, but didn't lose out. So. I feel like Ren and Chris lost out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I've praised Leah on this podcast, I don't have it in me to give him points for this gameplay because I feel like it's not deliberate. It's just Lee being Lee. And I don't think that Pegleg did anything of note in the episode to get two cheesy points aside from wearing a really interesting piece of swimwear with a Union Jack. So good on you, Pegleg, for getting a really good wardrobe. Um, I think the fact that Ash avoided the vote in episode three and the fact that Ash has kind of like embedded herself as a free agent in the tribe and is in a better position to week one means I give Ashley my two points. What? How is she in a better position? She went from being in the numbers. She voted out Sabrina. She had the majority. She lost the majority. She had to vote out her number one ally and she was lucky she didn't go herself, seemingly based on the fact that Rachel was just more of an idol searcher. Because the dynamic on the tribe is who is the weak woman and she has a hand injury. And she was able to convince Lee, who is so adamant that a blonde woman must get voted off and got everybody in line, that she, even with an injury, was not the one that should go home, the personal trainer would. I think that took a lot of groundwork in camp and she saved her butt in episode three and that's worthy of two points. Honestly, some confusing points there, George, but I guess... I guess your points in I a way that it, you're. I couldn't give it to Ren and Chris because I feel like no, they, they went did back badly. Well, I mean, yeah, they did I badly. feel like Chris to me is more neutral, like I'm more on the fence. But Ren, horrible week for Ren. I really want Ren to do well. I don't want this to be a Nick thing. She's... I don't want the PTSD of that to come back. But like, I'm a little concerned about how this went for Ren. Well, Ren was my winner's pick. So I know. I know. This we want the best week for, Ren. for my winner's pick. <laughs> no. Well, also, by the way, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and Leilani now has a Wikipedia page of her own which Fantastic. she did not have before because I did all this research. Mean? It says that she's an English pop singer. Really? She was signed to ZTT Records from 1998 to 2000. This is a new Wikipedia. This was not linked, and maybe it's not a new page, but it was not linked to the Wikipedia when I was searching this a couple of weeks Tell ago. Tell me more. 
She had like, she's working on a new album. She has a whole thing. She's a, she's a singer from the from oh, 1998. She's yeah. going to bond with the singer on the tribe, Christopher. There you go. Well, we're going to sing all night and can I say, an album together. <laughs> can I say a couple of really random things before my cheesy points that I really oh, enjoyed? Please do it. The out, firstly, the out of context like home packages are hilarious to me because they're just like the intro <laughs> packages, but then, but they're now. So it's like Leilani's is really positive, but it's in the context of like, she's almost going home. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was fine. My favorite line of the week was when she said she was 45 and a half. Is this a British thing? I should have asked the UK consultants. Like you're 45. You don't need to be giving like, I, it's I like say that three sometimes. and a half. Like, no, like, no I, I think that's normal. I say that I'd, sometimes. Re- like what? Really? Like I'm 30 and a half. Yeah. Oh, well, I just turned 34, so I can't say and a half, but like, I think I used to say like, oh, you know, I'm like 32 and a half. I don't know. I feel like once you become an adult, the half becomes irrelevant. Like you're just your age. It's broader than like the importance of, you know, of like when you're younger, it's like five and a half. That's important. You're closer to five or six. That's, you know, for me, if I'm closer to 30 or 31, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, no. Anyway, I thought also the other thing, the blurring of Lawrence's butt was inconsistent i saw his butt but then it was blurred it was like what's the point of blurring it after i've already seen it (laughs) well as someone who has had their white buns but i had a lot more buns um to show on national tv than lawrence um i welcome this development on uk survivor yeah i mean i just didn't know which way it would go because america blurs we don't blur uk did both (laughs) (laughs) it was like what was the point like did you just miss that the first time i was just confused anyway i have chizzy points uh, I'm going to give three points to Doug, who is running away with the Chizzy right now. He's just running circles around everyone. He's he has doing so many well. He's doing like, really he well. It's a, good a to watch as well. Yeah. He has an idol. He didn't get any blowback from last week. He's making good decisions. Everyone wants to work with him. Three points to Doug. Two points I'm giving to Lawrence. I think he's mm-hmm. in socially well with Calaton. I think he made a decision for the culture of the tribe. Because, um, like, it feels like Lenena are apparently all looking for idols. They're all splitting votes. Who was split? Who was leading these vote splits? But you know, it felt like I don't know if that was misleading editing. But for Calaton, when it was like, you know, if anyone has an idol, they were all like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "We have had idols for seventeen years, Calaton." <laughs> like, did you really not? Is this a twist? Like, we haven't, you know, like we haven't not had it's idols in like- a long time. So yeah, I mean, I think him coming back and being like, "There's an idol at the beach." I mean, they knew there were idols, I guess, because he came back and said there was an idol at the outpost. But they were like, ah, oh. you know, like if he said there was an idol at the beach, like that might have caused some scrambling. And it seems like he got away with it and no one was that suspicious. And now he's using the information individually. Also, the fact that everyone's okay with him going and that he has this good thing with Tanuke. I just think he's in a good spot and just well-placed within Calaton. And mm-hmm. then how much hate am I going to get for this? Hate or heat? Oh, um, I know where it's going. I know where it's going. You haven't yeah, even told me yet. I'm giving it to Lee. Um, I couldn't give more than a point because I feel like it's socially aggressive in a way that will alienate people and there's not like a good winning strategy. But like credit to Lee for being a little bit humbled by losing the vote at Tribal Council last week. He was better in the challenges, not, you know, not as much kind of aggressive banter. And yeah, he should have either been either going home this week or losing an ally and he controlled the whole vote. Like he pushed purposefully or not or how much he was doing is it based on an innate value system I don't agree with? Yes. But he is entitled to utilize what the game and this format and this phase of the game gives him. And he did that. Well, 
People are scared of him. Maybe that's not good, but it worked this week. So he made very interesting television and generated a lot of debate online. So well played to him. Yeah, except that's not, I'm not giving you a point from a television perspective because that's not what the Chizzy is, George. (sighs) Anyway, that's the Chizzy. Oh, I'm glad we got your rant at the end of the episode, Shannon. Yeah, because (laughs) you angered me, not the show, though. That was, do we have more? Do you have any more you want to say about this week? We had a lot of questions, Uh, but I feel like we've covered, you know, a lot of what people were asking. Yeah, and and thank you for your questions, everyone. They do help kind of like guide this podcast. Mm, Exactly, they do. It was a stronger week than the first week. It was a stronger week than the first week. And um, I'm pleased that um, the ratings that were released for episode three were up on both episodes um, from the first week. Um, At the time of recording this, we haven't seen the ratings for episode four. Um, So that means that um, the show's picking up some steam in terms of the UK community, which is good. Um, I've been told by one of my friends who's a journalist at a UK outlet that the UK press is just generally negative on everything. And um, that's how I kind of contextualise some of the negative media that the show's getting in terms of, you know, audience reception. Um, I feel like this was a more entertaining week than the first week as a suite, and that's a very positive sign. And the fact that there are so so many permutations on at least half the tribe, and the other one has the potential to start doing something if they're encouraged to do so or production keep doing things to make them interesting is a very good position for the show to be in in week two. Yeah, I mean, let's all be as positive as we can. Like, we're trying to guide an entirely new audience into this franchise. And is it being done perfectly? No. But, you know, we're having hope for it. And the fact that we, I think we did have a pretty interesting discussion around, especially Lynetta. So there's some interesting stuff happening there. It is unfortunate for the UK from a global standpoint that 45 is like electric right now. Um, I was thinking that as well, Shannon. Yeah. I think we've had, and, and then to be fair, we've had three incredible English-speaking seasons of Survivor this year. So Heroes v Villains, clearly one of the best ever worldwide. 45 mm-hmm. is the probably it's the fun. best US season that I can recall watching. And then I thoroughly was entertained by the, you know, the main characters in 44 who carried the show and, you know, were three of the final four. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's difficult from that kind of like international perspective, but the main UK audience, maybe only two or three percent of them have seen some of these. Well, um, yeah, I'm just saying for like for our fans, you know, for like yeah. our audience. Because that's audience, how I, yeah. That's, it's difficult to compare apples with oranges. Yeah, um, it is really. But this was this week, week week two picked up on week one by um, like a country mark. And that's, yeah. a, that's a very good sign. But it wasn't this week of 45. And I find like for me, like I, like I was more down on 44 in general, but definitely compared to Australian Survivor Heroes versus Villains, which I was watching at the same time. So I do find that that does happen where it can mm. be hard if you're up against like when I was doing like Australian Survivor Blood versus Water against 42, I was like, you know, dying to get to 42 at the end of the week. So I do think that that can be a little bit tough as an audience, but we're giving it space. We're hoping that, you know, it, you know, gets some of the ratings a little bit more up and that people start to understand it. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenge focus right now. I do kind of feel like they are always either at a challenge or talking about a challenge. Like there's that definitely that mindset for me, but going forward with it, I'm interested to see where it goes. And George, tell the people what they can find you doing with all of your many pursuits? Well, I am very excited because my book comes out in three weeks and I've had advice from my publisher on how you can get it 
in the United Kingdom before it hits some bookstores there um, in the first quarter of next year. Um, so my book's going to be released on the 29th of November um, in Australia and New Zealand. And if you order it through Amazon, it can get shipped overseas to the United States, Canada and the United Kingdom. Um, but I think the easiest thing people can do is to order the audio book that is narrated by me um, or the ebook because that will be released worldwide all on the same day. So that's very exciting um, very. for me. I've got like a busy media schedule with that and some travel planned around it as well. And I'm um, very excited that um, the US Survivor community has organized a substitute event to the cancelled Hearts of Reality because I will be going um, to those events in Orlando and I'm very lucky to have a dedicated book event as well. And if anyone wants to come and meet me, please bring Jello shots. Shannon. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm so jealous. I wish I was going to America for the events and hopefully come. I will again in the future. Yeah, I can't just like up and leave. I have cats joy. And more importantly, I'm going to the rap meetup in New Orleans yeah. where I'm going to oh, be a panelist. So, so oh my gosh. I land in New Orleans at 10 a.m. on the 5th of December. So if anyone wants to take me out for drinks, please slide into my DMs. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good, I don't know if that's very safe. I mean, the listeners hopefully are safe, but just like, hey, take me out for drinks. I don't know if I condone, but sure. Everyone take George out for drinks <laughs> next I, month. When I put that message, someone in London took me to Soho House. And thank you very much if you're listening. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, I've got more UK coverage. Again, I did the exit interview with Rach, which honestly was very insightful. We spoke for over 20 minutes, got a lot of the Lenana dynamics, which I've utilized in this recap of just kind of knowing where people sit and a lot of that information there. So highly, you know, suggest you check that out. I'll also be doing a check-in with Rob, who is watching this as somewhat of a casual, but we had a lot of fun last week. And now that one was unlocked last week and now it's going to be on Patreon. Also on Patreon, we did the penultimate to recap yesterday. Last recap is next week, even though Suri, spoiler alert, now out of the show i am finishing Aww. 100 days yeah there's only like two days left so i thought i'd just see it through you know what I'm a year ask you for the past three weeks has Suri won yet and she didn't no she didn't but um at least she had fun i'm joking she had a terrible time the whole thing was <laughs> a disaster yeah hated it hated every second anyway what else i was on the nodals last week talking about the aforementioned incredible week of 45 with kristen hubicki this week i'll be on the bnb i'm doing a collaboration the Survivor Global B&B collaboration with Mike and Liana. So I'm excited about that for week seven, I think. Oh, did I say week five? It was week six. Now it's week seven. Okay. So we got that. And follow me at Shannon Gates so you don't miss any of that content. But George, that's it. Another week in the books, a quarter of the way through UK Survivor. And thank you for chatting it all out with me. I like when we disagree. We get all the viewpoints in aggressively. So. <laughs> I think we cover the field and then we eventually get to similar conclusions. Yeah, and it makes it all the more meaningful when we do agree. It's like, this must be the right decision. Then. Like, if there's something we agree on, then it's right. Then no one else can disagree with us because if we've come to that, then oh, it's just Paul Wren. Paul Wren. Well, Wren will rise from the ashes. Wren will the redeem themselves. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to our team behind the scenes. Thank you, George, as always. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Australian survivor is Survivor New Zealand. Survivor. 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 21 South African 12 ordinary Australians. 16 New Zealanders. Give them the swamma. One million pounds. Million euro. Million. 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 Million.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.